Welcome back to Coming Up for Air with hosts Dominique Simone Levine, Laurie McDougall, and Kayla Solomon. This podcast is produced with love by the Allies and Recovery team in solidarity with our listeners. Come in and sit with us for conversations on the most pertinent topics for families navigating a loved one's addiction. We created this podcast along with the learning modules and discussion blog in support of you. We salute the work you are doing and your dedication to helping your loved one find a way through. And now, coming up for air. This week's episode is a continuation of the interview with Jacqueline Brown. It begins in the middle of the interview. With people in recovery, it's like, this is going to be something they will deal with for the rest of their life. They will, it's not like triggers go away. It's not like their mental clarity or happiness will always stay the same. And just to kind of go back to the sibling piece too, is especially one thing after my brother died is everyone said to me, make sure you take care of your parents. Make sure you take care of your parents. No one was telling my parents, make sure you check on the kids who are still here. And I know that when it comes to a situation where you have three kids and one of them is struggling, the focus goes to that kid who's struggling. And I don't hold animosity, Mark. Once he died, the focus is still been Mark. And I can't even imagine what it's like as a parent to lose a child. And I say, when I went to my therapist, she said, you know, since you played a parental type role for him, you're, you have complicated grief. You have the grief of a sister, but also this, I watched him grow up. I helped raise him. So I, I will say from the sibling point of view that it's, it's definitely hard to be seen even after your person passes away because then the focus shifts to, well, how are your parents? As if me and my sister were very resilient. We were the ones who planned the funeral three days before Thanksgiving. I don't know how we operated in this way with zero sleep, but we just did it because that's just what you do. Like my brother deserves this. So we thought, I don't care how tired, I don't care. We're going to write this story and we're not going to have someone else do it. And to this day, people will still ask me, it's been, um, it's going to be four years in November. People will still, first thing they ask me is, how are your parents doing? (laughs) I'm like, I'm here too, you know, I can answer the parent question, but I'm still affected. It is still very present, especially this time of year. I call October the time where it's like, all right, this is my curtain call. And then November, you're not going to see me. And then December, if you're lucky, you'll see me. But Christmas was his favorite holiday. Thanksgiving was my favorite holiday. Both have been ruined. And one thing my parents, and I say my parents, but really my mom, she wants to keep continuing on with these traditions that we did, but it's not the same. And so I find myself kind of being an a-hole because I'm like, I don't want to do this. Like, we have a missing person here. We can't keep doing this. So there's also that struggle between siblings and parents. So Jacqueline, if you were to describe what you need, we're going to turn this around. So it's this is your time, okay? It's from now until New Year's. This is the hell begins. Yep. Somebody turned around, which we're doing right now, and asked you, what do you need? What do you want? What would help you during this time of year? What would that, what would the answer be? I would say that people just checking in means more than anything. Just saying, hey, just wanted to see how you're doing. 
the date and I don't like to call it a anniversary. I say that just for brevity, but I'm not celebrating anything. That's what I associate. But on that day, just reaching out and saying, I know this is a tough day for you. The holidays, my friends know how tough the holiday is. Also not putting pressure on me to be anywhere and understanding and having some flexibility for the fact that, yeah, I may agree to this event three weeks from now, but three weeks from now, I could also be in a really bad spot. So I think having an additional sense of understanding that if us siblings are flaky during this time frame, we don't like to be. I hate being unreliable. I hate being flaky. But for so long, I have honored everyone else's emotions and not mine. So I think the big piece is just having this understanding that even asking me about my brother, I know some people might be weird about that, but it's rare anyone asks about him anymore. So I think that's kind of why when you said, let's hear your story, I started with my brother because I'm like, ah, here's a segue to talk about him. (laughs) But I think just simple text. I'm thinking of you. If we hang out, someone asking me, you know, what did Mark like most about Thanksgiving? What did Mark like most about Christmas? Having someone give me the space to talk openly about the elephant in the room is huge. And I don't think a lot of people, and again, everyone's going to be different. Let me, let me preface that. Maybe some people don't want to talk about it because it's going to trigger them. Uh, I will say most, and this is sad that I even have this, most of my friends who've lost their sibling love to talk about them. And so obviously gauge your person, but I don't think if everyone's afraid of setting someone off, it's not going to be bad. It'll just, if they're tears, it's like happy tears of like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot about this. So I think the biggest thing would be just providing space and not ignoring the fact that this is going to be a difficult time every year. It's not like, oh, we're coming up on year four. So you're like, good, right? No, I'm not. So Jacqueline, so what I'm hearing you say is that basically as the representative of the over-functioners that of the world, which <laughs> yes. is pretty much everybody who's listening to this podcast, <laughs> that, you know, and I, I feel like this is huge. What you're saying is huge, which is that number one, you need to have space not to be an over-functioner. You need to actually be able to be a whole person where you under-function, where you're not reliable, where you're not okay, and okay, not okay is okay. But that means that that we're asked putting out there that other people get need to check in with you, need to see how you're doing, need to allow you to speak your truth, need to ask good questions about what you need to talk about. Mm-hmm. And then just shut up and listen so that you could speak your truth and then have your place. And then that is what your soul needs right now. And you said that very beautifully where you said that I need to be able to not be reliable because my whole life, if you're a big sister, any big sister out there, you are the planner. You are the one who takes care of everyone. So to be given the permission to just exist and not have to be productive. I think that's a big thing too, is that we get things confused when you're over I'm sorry, what was the term you use? Over over functioning. Over functioning. When you're over functioning like this, it's hard to just sit there and do nothing because you think this isn't productive. 
I need to do something that's productive. And that's probably tied to capitalistic stuff too. But in reality, it's something where we need our time for our souls to just relax and not feel obligated. Cause I hate saying no, I'm codependent. I will admit that all day long. I hate saying no, I am a people pleaser. I want everyone to be happy. I don't want to make you mad. You're putting a lot of effort into a party, man. I really should go. I want to, even if you just add the little sentiment, I know it's a hard time of year for you. I'm having this party. If you can make it great. If you can't, I get it. It's fine. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Make it okay. But but the other thing I'm thinking, because we are talking to the overfunctioners on this podcast, is how do you, because this is great if the rest of the world listens and they're like, oh, this is how I could take care of Jacqueline. Whatever. That's not going to happen. So when I think about this, it's like, how do you put this out there that this is your need in advance before you go into this time of year? Like, how do you explain to people what you need so that there's a shot that one percent of them might respond well? You know, what's really funny is I I actually do this every year. I do a social media post and I go, hey, just a heads up. I hate the holidays. This is going to suck. If you try to reach out to me and I don't get back to you as quickly as uh, you think I should, it's because I'm making time for myself. And I know that sounds very millennial to make a social media post, but it's also a way that people can read it when they want. You can keep scrolling. It feels very weird to me to text people who I think, like, who do I think might care about this? That's a weird feeling for me to be like hey in case you wanted to invite me to your party <laughs> like that just seems weird in case you have a party i wasn't going to go anyway <laughs> don't take it personally yeah don't take exactly don't take so i think it's for me it's easy to put out a post like that and people might think this is weird but it's it's almost like a a bat signal to everyone like also please don't emotionally dump on me Because I think that's another thing, too, when you are overly analytical, critical, all of that, you sometimes become the person who's the go-to for advice, the go-to for venting, the go-to for, and I can't take on other people's emotions during that time. And I think that's a big thing to highlight as well is people appreciated how open I was about my grief after my brother died. But that opened the floodgates to everyone messaging me and openly talking about their grief. They're like, hey, I I saw, you know, I think it's really great that you're so open about your brother. When my grandpa died, I'm like, okay. And I get that it's a, it's probably a bid to connect and, hey, I understand where you're at. But me being a, an empath, an empathic type person, I'm going to carry that. And I had to learn how to say no and be like, I respect your story. I'm sorry what you've gone through. I can't help you through this. And, you know, what I really want to say is go to grief counseling like I did, like pay someone to listen to you. But yeah, it's it's hard because you, especially during the holidays, there's always some family drama. There's always some issue that's going to occur. So people are like, oh, my God, do you have time to talk? No, I don't. I deeply understand what you're talking about, Jacqueline, because and I know I'm not I'm not a sibling and I also haven't lost my loved one. But I did experience some really deep trauma 
with my son and a lot of my friends don't understand why I've kind of pulled back. Mm. There's lots of times where I'm like, yeah, I just can't socialize. I'm not doing well right now. And so I deeply understand where you're coming from. I also want to ask you this other question in that, how do you deal with family and kind of getting that message out to the people that are closest to you? Because I did something similar to what you did only with my family, with my son, kind of letting him off the hook. Like, so the holidays were always a difficult time for him. And so I finally said, you know what, if you, if you don't want to come or whatever reason, it's too difficult for you to show up or to come out of your room or whatever it is, it's okay. You don't have to, don't. But telling the rest of the family that and having them understand what it was that was happening here was difficult. Everybody started judging that or judging my son or judging me or you favor him. or So my question is, how do you get that message out to your family and do they take it well? It depends on the family member. Let's say that. Um, <laughs> my sister and I, absolutely on the same page. We don't even have to say anything. I don't even have to go, hey, it's the holidays. You remember, right? We just know. And that was our sibling relationship. We all just knew, like, we don't have to say anything. My father is definitely more understanding of, I just don't want to meet up. My mother is not. And that's not because any a knock against her. It's something I still work through. It's been almost four years. COVID quarantine time. I love that. <laughs> I wasn't obligated to be anywhere. And, and I'm not saying, oh, I love what happened to people. It's awful what happened to people. But having a higher power, someone else say, you can't do this. And I'm like, sorry, mom, I can't go down there. COVID. It's so it was so nice to blame COVID for a lot of things because I needed that time to compress. I I mean, everyone, we all went into a bad spot. So I needed that time. But I'll tell you right now, like I'm still trying to navigate that with my mom in a way that is not dismissive to her because I'm codependent. I want to make sure she's she's in a good spot. But just being blunt and saying, look. I I don't want to do Thanksgiving on Thanksgiving. Can we do Thanksgiving on a different day? Can we do a Thanksgiving Christmas combo? So it's only one day or one gathering that we have to do because I don't want to do the double gathering of guess who's not here, guess who's not here. So I have proposed the, the Thanksmas combo this past year and that worked. Did it really work for my family? I don't know. They didn't say anything to me, but... I'm learning if they don't tell me it is not my responsibility to keep digging to find out what it is. It's everyone's responsibility to tell me if they're not happy or whatever. It's not my job to constantly uh, read between the lines, which is what I always do. Yeah. And and I, what I'm going to add to that, because that's gigantic, but like everybody listening understands that really clearly, like, oh, I'm going to anticipate, I'm going to dig, I'm going to be the one that has the answers or can find the answers or understands everybody. And what I keep thinking is, what about you? And this is how it works. Every single person on the planet has a different need. And so 
if you know that you're dealing with that, even if you they tell you and they ask you and they understand, that doesn't mean that it's going to line up with what you need at that particular moment. That's the rub. And I keep thinking about what you said about the no. And I believe no is one of the most important places to get if you're a person who focuses on other people. When you get to the no, then you're not doing automatic yeses. You're not doing things that are unacceptable to you. And you also are creating really good boundaries for yourself so that when you say yes, it has a different flavor to it. It's not just this obligation. It's actually a choice. So if you're a yes person, when you start doing the no piece, and it's funny because I worked on people with a lot with this, it's like no is an actual freedom position. It is. And so it's a gift. And so even if somebody said wants something and you get it and you understand, you still don't have to say yes. Exactly. Exactly. And that is so key because us people pleasing people mm -hmm. will say no because, and let me give you a whole chapter as to why I can't do the over-explaining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to justify it. Because it's like, well, so yesterday I had a really, you should see my texts when I reply to people. I still, I will still fall into this trap. I'm not going to say, oh, I'm fully reformed codependent person. No, I will have a, this long of a text of a no, because I had to explain why I can't do whatever. But in reality, there are times where I'm like, no, I, I can't make it. I hope you have a great time. And then I, I have to step away from my phone because then I want to be like, because of the, 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 like I literally have to physically remove myself because I feel like I'm rejecting someone and I feel like I'm going to upset them. So just know that if you're a yes person at the beginning, people, when you start to say no, people are going to feel rejected. Just want to put that out there because they're like, what? Yeah, I have to count on you. You're the yes person. But it's like there are people that, you know, are no people and nobody's surprised when they say no. So to me, it's like for you to, and I think this is a huge issue and maybe one day we'll do this as a topic, but it's a huge issue to be to go from being a yes person to a no person so that you actually can become a choice person and nobody sees you as the one thing so that you then become choosing the, the no. I often feel like, because I'm a yes person as well, and I've had to learn over time to be this no person. And I learned over time that when I say no and I add all the reasons why I'm saying no, I'm trying to convince myself. And it's like, no, no, I am convinced. Yeah, so I think that's fine. Just do it afterwards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we have been talking now for almost, gosh, close to an hour, which is long for our podcast. And the other, the other thing is, is we haven't, we haven't gotten into a lot of stuff and I, you need to come back. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, we're going to have to invite you back. Yeah. Because I really want to hear farther into your story because I know it's, it's actually extraordinary. You have a lot to contribute and your experience I know has transformed your life into this particular path. And I'd really like to discuss it with you, but we are at closing in on an hour. I want to tell you a couple of things, Jacqueline. I want to, I want to tell you that this interview has actually changed a few things for me. And I want to let you know this, that I'm going to start checking in on my daughters a lot more. I'm going to try and be more understanding of their needs to be, to do their grieving 
and to deal with their process as far as having had to deal with substance use disorder in the in the family. I'm going to try all those things. And then on top of it, I have to let you know that my brother's birthday is November 16th. Oh, wow. So forever going forward on November 16th, I'm not only going to be wishing my brother a happy birthday, but I'm going to be thinking mm, about you, thank you and your family. Thank you. So Kayla, do you think I can, it's hard for me to sum up Jacqueline because she's so clear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I, I didn't. You were magnificent. That's why I, I know you're sorry for being so good. I, I, no, no, no. I'm sorry. Like I didn't even uh, factor in time because that is not your job. I just kept. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Not your job. Jeff. Here's the codependent. I'm sorry. Up, I didn't do up. the interview. <laughs> that's not your job. No, that, that's <laughs> our job. But the truth is that your story is so important and so compelling that we'll figure out how to use all of it because it's not about you cutting yourself off. By the way, isn't that the theme of today? So it's about us taking what you said and using it. So to me, what your story is about is how you, as a sibling and as a parentified sibling. Basically, you took on as a, this overfunctioning piece and what you've been grappling with for since you the whole time. It's not since your brother died, but the whole time it's like, what do I do? How do I change this? How do I make this work? How do I take care of everybody? How do I actually step forward so that everything is fine and taken care of or the best it could be? And at some point you realize, oh, wait a second. What about me? And What's so incredibly helpful about hearing your story is that at some point you realized that you were in the story and that you had to start taking care of yourself as part of the story and that taking care of yourself does not mean necessarily doing so much. It also really, really means that there are times when you are not doing and that that's to me out of everything that you said, that's so important. Not doing is essential here. Not functioning is essential up to a point. So it's not like you're going to let yourself fall into a hole, but there are going to be times that you need to respect your process and back yourself up. Exactly. And that's a huge thing to highlight is there's a delicate balance between depression and not functioning, which sounds really weird, but there is a very fine line between it and it's very easy to fall into the depression side. So I, I, I appreciate that you highlighted that as well. So you're amazing and Thank we you. have to have you back because like we have thousands of questions. I know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, because you're just. We do. And I think we'll, we'll have to do a Jacqueline part two. I would love that. This is the codependent version. This is the version where I was supposed to talk about myself and I did it. So now you can, this is real life. So now I will be forced to next time because I already got my brother out of the way. So. Well, you started talking about yourself, so don't be. Yeah, I eventually made my way there. But I just want you to know this, and this is the dynamic that we all have to look at is that you're apologizing for being magnificent. Okay, oh. so I'm going to ask you to not do that because you did nothing wrong. You're amazing. And part of why this got to this place is because you have so much to say and finally you're getting to say it. So that's a gift to all of us. This is not anything to apologize for. You. Your story is magnificent in all parts of it. It's just longer than 20 minutes. Yes. So <laughs> can't put you in a little box. You can't put Jacqueline in the corner. I was going to say, us big sisters, don't you give us limits. I'm sorry. We don't listen. Mm -mm. We don't listen. But thank you so much for- No, thank story. you. 
I appreciate both of you and I appreciate you inviting me on. I'm more than happy to come back on whenever you want. I I love this. Awesome. Awesome. So expect an email within a day or two of <laughs> okay. when you're going to have you back all right. on. All right. Thank you both so much. So thank you to all our listeners and we will definitely have Jacqueline back on. So thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for listening. We hope this episode of Coming Up For Air spoke to you. If you're listening in today on a podcast platform that isn't the Allies member site, please take a moment to give us a five-star rating. This helps others find the show more easily. If you have a suggestion for a new topic or a guest for the show, please reach out through the Contact Us form on alliesinrecovery.net. Special thanks to our hosts, our guests, and our production team.